2017. So we have some uh, end of the year uh, activity stored for you for this show. My name is Felipe Leon, and with how you doing? Good, good. Doing what? And all and with us as well is Miss Amy Green. Miss Green, how are you doing tonight? Doing great. How are you guys? Good, thank you. So here we are at the two minute round. You're hooked to the with the female fight world where we discuss everything to do with female boxing. And today we're going to be winding down the 2017 with, in the eyes of many, not just the three of us, but in many in the in the boxing world, it has been somewhat of a stellar year for female boxing in the United States as well as in the rest of the world. And we're also going to be looking at. 2018 and maybe what we expect of what we want to see in the coming year. So with that said, we're going to go very quickly through our fight results of the last couple of weeks of the fight that happened in the last couple of weeks, and then we'll get into uh, the best of compiled by Mr. David Avila, which a lot of people I know have been waiting for to listen to Mr. David Avila's picks of the 2017. So starting on December 8th in Buenos Aires, Argentina, Karen Elizabeth Carvajal scored a unanimous decision over fellow Argentinian Cynthia Gisela Castillo in a plan rounder for the vacant Argentinian Super Featherweight title. Scores there were 192, I mean 100 to 92, 100 to 91 and a half, and 99 to sound kind of strange to you is because they are, because the Argentinian Boxing Commission used some kind of half-point system, which I think the WBA was going to also uh, start using David and Amy, but they haven't really used it uh, at all, right? Uh, not to my knowledge. Not that they I'm aware of, I think a couple that's, years that's no, confusing. A couple years ago, I think yeah, they're going to start using some kind of half-point thing, so it's kind of weird, but the Argentinian Boxing Commission does use it, and that's why we see these 100 to 91.5 and, and 99 to 93.5. I don't know why uh, you would get a half a point, but it is what it is. Now, on December 19th, we were supposed to have two female fights, two prominent female fights on two major cards, but one ended up being canceled, the one that was canceled was supposed to be at the Mandalay Bay uh, Casino, Resorting Casino in Las Vegas, Nevada, on the Sanford Show slash uh, K2 Promotion slash Promociones del Pueblo Show broadcast on HBO. The main event there was Mickey Roman scoring that TKO over Orlando City Toledo, but on the undercard was going to be the U.S. debut of Mexican Olympic team member Sulem Urbina, who was our guest here on our last show, on number 37, and she was going to take on her biggest test to date, 
which was going to be Sonia Osorio in a six-rounder at Flyweight, but it ended up being canceled the day of the weigh-in. David was there in Las Vegas to cover that fight card. And, David, what was the reason that was given for the fight ended up being canceled? Well, uh, apparently during their physicals, uh, she was given a, a blood test. And during, uh, well, blood test and an MRI. And uh, according oh. to, to the the physicians, she she showed showed signs of blood clotting, and uh, that hmm. to me that's a major reason to to cancel the fight because uh, if you have any kind of blood clotting, then you can get a brain hemorrhage and basically die. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they canceled yeah. the fight. I gave them uh, full credit for finding it and stopping it. Uh, it was you know bad that that Sulem wasn't able to fight, but. Better this other girl lives another day than risk her life. Yeah, unfortunately for Urbina, she wasn't able to make that pro debut, and it was going to be the first time that her family, her mom, and her dad were able gonna were gonna be able to see her fight as a professional. And you know, being that Las Vegas is so near her home base of Phoenix, um, she had a, a, a crowd that was supposed to show up, and unfortunately, she wasn't able to perform. But hopefully. Uh, she gets a fight date soon uh, in the United States. More than likely, it's going to be in Mexico because that was Sanford's first card in the United States where there weren't somehow or another tied in with top rank. And, you know, I don't know if we're going to be able to see that again anytime soon. So we'll see when Urbina gets to fight in the United States. Now, the fight that did go on that night on December 9th on that Saturday was Michaela Mayer's going uh, a majority decision over Nidia Feliciano, a four-rounder at 135 pounds on the undercard of the Vasil Lomachenko uh, TKO over Guillermo Ringendown at the theater in Madison Square Garden. The scores there were 40-36 two times, and a strange 38-38. I was able to uh, watch the fight, and I found that Mayer, you know, she had a couple of, of hiccups there. She, she was, she was uh, facing... Her toughest opponent in her uh, short career that began this year, but she won all the rounds. I don't know why they would have given a 38, but you know she still came out with the win. David, what were your thoughts? Well, I was surprised by the uh, majority decision because it's New York, and and my personal feeling is they have the worst judges in the country, uh, considering that they have they're supposed to be this major commission. They just have horrible judging. What do you think, Amy? Um, Kelly Pavlik and James Dominguez were there to cover that fight because they were they were there for Lomachenko and Rigandau, and they said the way James put it is, Michaela was she's still improving. Um, he thought he thought she won, maybe not as impressively as she has all you know with stoppages, but. Um, mm-hmm. They they felt like she handled her business. I, I don't. They didn't comment specifically on the odd score, but you know, she didn't overwhelm and she didn't underwhelm. They said she's still improving. Yeah, and and you know what? She even though obviously she didn't knock out her opponent like she did in her first two fights, you know, she was facing a very talent, a very experienced and tough Nidia Feliciano and. Michaela did everything that she needed to do. She controlled the distance and she used her height and her long arms very well to uh, to control the distance and keep Feliciano uh, at bay. 
Uh, Feliciano obviously was able to get in on the inside and score a big right hand, but it wasn't enough. And yeah. I think that as far as a learning fight for Mayer, it was a really good mm-hmm. fight. Obviously, top ranks, they know exactly what they're doing when they're developing these fighters. Obviously, Miguel Mayer is their first female fighter, but you know, as far as I can see, as far as the matchmaking, they're treating her um, just like any other fighter, male or female, in the way that they're developing in her. And I think that fight was very telling of her development. That you know, she, she's come, you know she's learning the pro style. She's doing very well at that. But you know, there's still little things here and there. But she's being developed, and Top Rank is doing a great job at that. And Nia yeah, Feliciano has been around too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think she had like uh, upset some people. Close to twenty fights. Now, on December thirteenth, from London. Uh, England, Matchroom Boxing gave us a, a fight card on a Wednesday. It was very, very long. I thought they weren't going to uh, broadcast all the fights. I thought they were going to broadcast two or three, and then it was going to be the Katie Taylor main event. And there was like, I don't know, it was like seven, eight, maybe ten fights before her fight. Wow. She, I think that the the, the uh, broadcast on, on the YouTube channel of Showtime began like around 11.30, 10.30. She ended up fighting to like two or three in the afternoon, West Coast time. So, but then she did fight, and Katie Taylor scored a unanimous decision over Chicago's Jessica McCaskill in the toughest fight of her career just yet. She was defending her WBA 135-pound title. The scores were uh, very wide and very undeserving, 98-91. And then even the 97-92 uh, were, you know, slightly, slightly wide there as well. I think it was a little bit even a little bit closer than that. David, she had a tough yeah. fight. Jessica McCaskill, even though she's not as experienced. Well, she has a lot of experience. She has a lot of amateur experience, but she only has about six or seven fights as a pro. Gave her possibly the best fight of Katie Taylor's career, including the one where she won the title against uh, Argentinian uh, Sanchez. Yeah, yeah. She nearly knocked down Taylor. In fact, uh, if not for the ropes, I think uh, Katie would have gone down. And uh, after that, she held on for dear life. Uh, Jessica was not playing around. She was going after that knockout and willing to take a punch to give a punch. And uh, Katie wasn't used to that. She was used to overwhelming people. And she had this strong girl in front of her. And uh, it, it really tested her skills. She, but the good thing is you were able to see what Katie Taylor can do. You know, because she, she pulled all the tricks out of her bag. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I thought she won. But I thought that McCaskill really showed that She's a, a dangerous fighter. Yeah, and let's see what's next for McCaskill. I would, I would want to see her again. Like, and I agree with you that Taylor had to bring all her skill set to the forefront for this fight. And we also realized that, you know, she's still fighting with a somewhat of an amateur style. She's moving a lot. She's exactly. not sitting on her punches. Maybe, that she, maybe she was a little weary of McCaskill's power. Um, because she wasn't really exchanging there. She wasn't really sitting on her punches. So let's see if that was the case or if that's how Taylor's going to fight uh, in the long run or if she's going to develop a little bit more of the pro style and sit on her punches and, and kind of uh, not move as much as she was on this fight on December 13th from London, England. The next night something on in... December... Go ahead. Go ahead, Amy. Excuse me. Uh Excuse me. Um, I saw something in the British press mentioned that the father was thinking of advising his daughter to quit. That she, Katie yeah, Taylor's father? Well. 
Yeah. Yeah, I was kind of surprised because uh, he actually got hurt in that fight. And uh, I, well, I think he, you know, maybe it was a father's, you know, worried uh, worried about his daughter. And what I also, what? I guess the father is, is the one that actually taught her how to box. And now she's not training with the father. Now she's training, she's training with somebody else. So maybe the father feels that, uh, you know, he's being a little bit left out. And, and, and you know, like you were saying, David, like she got, she got hurt and doesn't want to see her get hurt. And maybe because he's not at the helm, you know, he feels that she's not doing the things that he would have her do. Yeah, exactly. What, what do you think, Amy? Well, that's always a strange dynamic when the father's in the corner. I mean, it either works really, really well or it's horrible. True. You know, you can't have that. If, if you look at Danny Garcia and his dad and then Shane Mosley and then, Miguel, <laughs> I mean, Floyd and Floyd and everybody else, I mean, it's 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 a bizarre dynamic because, you know, first of all, that's your father, then that's your trainer, and there's some weird authority vibe that's going on there. And I, it's like working with your wife or your husband. It's just not good. <laughs> I personally don't think it's great. But, you know, he probably he probably had some apprehension that she was a little hurt. But, you know, this isn't tennis. This isn't golf. This is boxing. And it's it's going to happen no matter who trains her. You're going to get some you're going to take a little ding every now and then or get knocked out or get knocked down. That's the, that's the, that's what it's, that's what happens. It happens, you know, and there might be a little power struggle there. I mean, you know, but it's, she's going to go on and she's going to learn and she's going to do better. You know, both of these girls have had some learning curve fights between Katie Taylor and Michaela Mayer and down the line, this is all going to, I hope be interesting and make a matchup for them too. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Now, the next night out here in California on December 14th, Fantasy Streets Casino in New California on Golden Boy Promotions, Divas on ESPN. This fight was actually broadcast. It was the opener on the ESPN telecast. Marlene Esparza scoring United's decision over Carla Valenzuela in the sixth rounder. And, uh, well, I mean, technically the fight was that super flyweight because Carla Valenzuela uh Weighed in like about 113 and a half, and Esparza weighed right. in about 111 and a half. The scores there were 60, 54 three times. And, you know, we spoke about Michaela Mayer, uh, Olympic uh, amateur fighter, Katie Taylor, a two time gold medalist, and Marina Esparza, a 2012 bronze medalist. And, out of, and then we we're going to speak about Nicola Adams as well. But out of all those, the one that I is probably a little underdeveloped is Marlene Esparza. I mean, she didn't, she didn't look all that – she did, She looked good. You know, her opponent was really didn't bring anything to the table. She had, like, three wins, 15 losses, which is good mm. for, a, uh, for, a, for a fighter that, that is 3-0, but not a fighter that's 2 or 3-0 and, and a former Olympic bronze medalist. I mean, that's a completely different type of fighter than your normal run-of-the-mill 3-0 fighter. And – I think that, you know, the opponent, Carla Valenzuela, didn't really bring anything to the table to make Marlene Esparza shine. I think she was looking for the knockout. She wasn't able to score it. A lot of people I've seen on social media mentioned that she looked overweight, not only at the weigh-in, but at the fight. But at the end of the day, she pulled it off. David was there ringside. What did you see, David? Um, 
I saw her getting comfortable in this new style because a lot of people don't realize she's fighting an entirely different style. She's a slapper, a mover, uh, you know, just throw a lot of quick punches and get out. Well, now she's sitting down. Uh, she's staying in the pocket, uh, not throwing as many punches, but more impactive punches. And she's getting used to it. So I, I understand why they gave her this easy opponent. I wish they didn't, but they're they're being very careful. They want to make sure she knows this style before she goes up against the animals in, in her weight class because there are some very tough girls at 112. I mean, as as you both know, that's that's a really heavy duty weight class. Now, do you think she's having trouble that, with her weight? Uh, well, she is, she came in at 111, so that's her weight. Uh, I mean, looks can be deceiving, but yeah, it's all in the way. It's all in the way. She did make the li- the limit. The other girl didn't make the limit. Hmm. Now, one thing that that may or may, well, I don't think it's it, it's helping is that she's working with Virgil Hunter out there in the Bay Area, but Virgil Hunter wasn't in her corner. You know, I find, uh, I heard later that the reason is because Virgil Hunter had some prior engagement with other fighters. I think he was going to France or something like that with some heavyweights. Correct. But on correct. the same weekend. But, you know, that happens in boxing quite a, a bit. Um, but, you know, with somebody that's being developed and barely fighting, um, you know, in her first two or three, four fights and is actually coming from the amateurs, a fighter that has a very extensive amateur career that has an amateur style, and is trying to transition to the pro style, and the trainer that is helping her do that is not in her corner, I don't think that helps. No. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Now, moving on to December 15th, uh, in San Juan, Argentina, Maria Cecilia Roman defended her IBF 118-pound title against Venezuela Maria Lozano, Ana Maria Lozano in, in a 10-rounder, but it was... The result was a disqualification in the second round, and this was a very strange uh, result because you could actually find this fight on YouTube. And what happened is that, you know, in the first round, they they had a, a, a an exchange of punches, and Roman ended up with a very significant cut on her forehead. And but you know, the round the round ended, and then in the second round, she was actually dropped by a right hook by Lozano, her opponent from Venezuela. She beat the count, but I guess she mentioned to the referee that she couldn't see. The doctor got involved. This fight will happen in Argentina in her home soil. And the doctor stopped the cut, the fight because of the cut, but the referee disqualified the opponent, Lozano, in the second round when the headbutt actually happened in the first round. Her corner and herself, you know, they protested the the disqualification, but at the end of the day, it, it was disqualified. Roman Roman ends up with her IBS title. I don't know if, if Lozano's corner or her promoter, if she has one, is going to be able to put in a protest to the IBS, but this fight definitely deserves a rematch because it was very strange. I've never seen that before where a fighter gets disqualified in a later round for something that happened in a previous round, um, if anything, it should have been a no contest because it was before the fourth round and Roman couldn't continue. Right. So, in a sense, if it would have been a no contest, she would have kept her title anyway. 
but for them to rule their disqualification, I found it very strange. It kind of reminds me of uh, years, years ago when Mando Muniz lost to uh, Jose Napolis. Which fight kind was that? Similar circumstance. Uh, Mando Muniz and Jose uh, Mantequilla Napolis. Okay. It, it happened in a similar way where he got disqualified in a later round? Yeah, uh, yeah well, they actually um, he couldn't see anymore. So they gave the fight to Napoli, even though Muniz was winning the fight. It was like mm-hmm. in the 10th or wow. 11th round, something like that. that was a now, on the undercard, on the undercard of uh, the Billy Joe Saunders David Lemieux fight in Montreal, Canada, uh, on December 16th, Saturday, Nicola Adams, also an Olympian, scored a third round TKO over Soledad Marcelo. Marcelo in a six in a scheduled six rounder at Super Flyweight. The time there was one twenty six, and again, Olympian also working with Virgil Hunter, um, and in in the Bay Area, didn't have Virgil Hunter in her corner, but she looked pretty impressive. I mean, I really like her style. Her first fight, I wasn't all that impressed from her first fight, but her second fight and her third fight, she's looked very well. It looks like she's making the transition very well. She throwing hard punches. She's very accurate, somewhat economical with her punch output, but very accurate when she throws punches, uses her lateral movement very well, and I think she's looking very, very good. And some reports, I saw some reports of her stating after the fight that she's looking, hopefully, um, by the end of next year, challenging for a world title. Well, that's quick. And she's at what weight? She's a super flyweight. She might be able to drop down to 112, um, but we'll see what what weight class she she searches for uh, in the world title. But okay. she's very she's she's looking very good. I was very impressed, and I I liked the performance this uh, last Saturday. Yeah, she's yeah, that's who's who's promoting her. Matchroom. I know Eddie Hearn. No, not Eddie Hearn. Uh, Frank Warren. The English uh, promoter, the one, the same one that has, um, uh, what is it, Matchroom? I, it's a, she has a promoter, and I think it's uh, it's either Frank Warren or Matchroom Boxing is her promoter. I'm more than liking Frank Warren because he was the one that was involved with this promotion with Billy Joe Saunders and, and Golden Boy Promotions as well. Well, I think I think then definitely depending on how they move her and. What what they're willing to do with Golden Boy, I think you could see her good looking for a title in a year's time. Yeah, I, I think so I just too. hope now, it's on the same. I just hope it's visible. Yeah, Ooh, no, crazy. Uh, well, let's see if they end up. If they, no, if they do what they're going to do it in England, and she'll be broadcast in England, and maybe we'll get to see it out here on Showtime or something like that. But exactly. also on the same fight card. Um, Canadian amateur standout Tim Clavell made her pro debut, scoring a unanimous decision over Jocelyn Martinez in a four-rounder at light flyweight. So we have another uh, fighter coming out of the amateurs fighting for Canada, and she made her pro debut on that card. She is signed by Eye of the Tiger Management, which is the same team that um, manages David Lemieux as well as other Canadian fighters. The scores there were 40-36 two times and 39-37. Now, 
in Mexico City, Sanford on the Azteca channel gave us Silvia Torres, the sister of Ana Maria Torres, going to United decision over Tijuana's Brenda Flores in a 10-rounder for the vacant interim WBA life flyweight title. Scores there were 99-91 two times and 97-93. Now, this result in this fight turned out to be a historic one because this is uh, the first time that two Mexican sisters hold or held world titles. Obviously, the first sisters to do that in history are Amanda and Cindy Serrano, Puerto Rican, Mm -hmm. living out of New York. But these two, Ana Maria Torres and her sister Silvia Torres, are the first Mexican sisters uh, to be to do it. What I find very strange is why would the WBA make an interim title when the light flyweight champion is Jessica Tutti Bob? Tutti Bob has been fighting; she's not pregnant. She, she she obviously took a hiatus for a pregnancy, but she's back. She's had three, four fights since then. It doesn't seem like she's hurt. So why would the WPA take an interim title when there's no need? The champion is there. They just need to get her to fight. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, Tutti Bop is one of the best. Yes, she is. Yeah, but, I mean, they're not – I mean, I'm sure that Stanford is not offering – well, first of all, I wouldn't see them fighting Sylvia Torres against Tutti Bop because she would be, is that too much for her. She's – you know, she's undefeated, Silvia Torres, she's a sister Ana Maria Torres, but she's not ready for a Tutti Bob. And obviously, Sanford's not offering Jessica Bob enough money to fight in, the, in Mexico, but then the WBA is not forcing, the WBA is not forcing Tutti Bob to defend against her mandatory challenger, who turns out not to be neither Silvia Torres or Brenda Flores. Now, the WBA has not put out female a ranking since August, but in those rankings, the WBA number one ranked light flyweight is another Tijuana fighter by the name of Sandra Robles, and she was not given the opportunity to fight for the vacant interim WBA title, which should have been her right. Instead, Stanford and the WBA ended up going with Ana Maria's sister, Sylvia, and Brenda Flores. So that is another question to be raised to the WBA. That is that is now, odd because if they don't have everybody, if they don't have everybody lined up, I mean that's just weird because then then there's no way anybody else could come in from something and anything could be ever unified. Exactly, it's like they're now, holding everything at bay. The true. same thing happened the same night. But see, the, the, this is the funny part. This is when the sanctioning bodies basically do whatever they want because the same thing happened the same night in the same state, but a little bit far off in Tecamac, Mexico. This fight wasn't televised, but Japanese former champion Nana Yoshikawa scored a split decision over Delia Lopez in a 10-rounder um, to score the vacant interim WBC flyweight title. The flyweight champion is Jessica Kika Chavez, and she's fine. She, nothing's been reported as stops her from fighting, so why is there a vacant interim WBC title at stake. The scores were 96 and 94 two times for Georgicawa and 97-93 for Lopez. Estrella Valverde scored a unanimous decision over Leticia Uribe in a 10-rounder to defend her WBC International Super Flyweight title. No scores were reported for that fight, but WBC, so it's not just the WBA. 
the WBC is doing it as well because here we have a vacant interim mm-hmm. WBC title, and Kika Chavez is right there able and willing more than likely to fight and defend her title. But now Joshikawa is the WBC interim champion, and we'll see if in 2018 they end up ordering that fight. I don't know why they're doing it. I mean, I understand why interim titles are needed and why sanctioning bodies have the interim title. But if the fighter, if the, if the world champion is, is not hurt and in if female boxing case not pregnant, then, you know, there shouldn't be an interim title. And lastly, in no, our... No, because our then, they'll have, then they'll have a gold ultra major title too. So, you know, just go figure. <laughs> Well, that's coming probably pretty soon. I mean, they have the diamond belt, which Jessica Kika Chavez is also the champion of at the flyweight division because she won the flyweight tournament, which gave her the right to hold the diamond title, the WBC diamond flyweight title. But, you know, you know, there's an interim title for her, for her uh, title as well. Um, now, lastly, in our fight results, um, December 17th on a Sunday from Fukuoka, Japan, the current WBC atomweight champion, uh, Momo Koseki, went up to the 105-pound division, which is strawweight, to score a unanimous decision over the champion, Yuko Kuroki. And now Koseki holds the strawweight and the atomweight WBC titles. So I'm sure pretty soon she's going to have to decide on one or the other. I'm sure she's probably going to stay with the strawweight title because maybe there is where there is um, more um, opportunities to fight. But uh, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens with Mofu Koseki. But she ended up scoring a unanimous decision over fellow Japanese Yuko Uroki on December 17th, which is a Sunday. So that brings us to the end of our final results. And now we're going to move on and discuss the best of 2017 picks of Mr. David Avila. David. Uh, yes, well, we had a really action-packed year. Uh, the, the emergence of television for female boxing seems to have uh, ignited a lot of uh, good fights. A lot of uh, significant events took place. Um, I mean, for one thing, uh Choosing the fighter of the year was much more difficult this year than it was last year or the year before. Mm-hmm. Um, you had so many people that, that could contend. Um, you had uh, Amanda Serrano winning five world, title, uh, five world titles in five divisions. Um, you had uh, Naoko Fujioka winning five world titles in five divisions. You had um, Jessica Chavez winning the flyweight title. You had... Uh, Clarissa Shields uh, winning a world title in the first year. You had Katie Taylor winning a world title in her first year. And then you had uh, Cecilia Brakis uh, dominating her weight class, uh, undisputed welterweight champion. And you had Mariana Waters uh, defying all the odds and coming back and winning a bantamweight champion. And um, so it was a tough decision to, to come out with the, who would be the fighter of the year. And uh, we finally decided, well, with some discussion, that this year the fight of the year would be uh, Mariana Juarez. And uh, one, 
it came down to Mariana Juarez and Cecilia Brakis, and the reasons were, one, uh, Cecilia Brakis actually broke down the door for boxing, not just for female, but for male boxing in her country in Norway. And uh, that was a significant event. Uh, she, she did this all by herself. Um, boxing came back to that country after 30 years. And uh, that, to, to me, that, that uh, deserves some kind of note, aside from the fact that she's this great fighter. And Mariana Wada, the same thing. She, she won the world title. When she wasn't supposed to win, everybody thought she was over. She's done. She's too old. But not only that, she fought in Mexico City in front of almost half a million people. And uh, half a million people caught her the soccer to watch her fight. Nobody in the history of boxing has ever crowded any place to see a fight, whether it's men or women. And here she was, the main event. They were all watching her. Uh, I know a lot of people were saying, well, it was free. And uh, I always tell people, you put, a, you put a free event and see if uh, you can get half a million people to go watch your fight. You know, I don't care who it is. You're not going to get half a million people. That was a significant no. thing. It was incredible. After that, I said, I, she has to be the fighter of the year just for drawing that, that much attention to female boxing. And basically the world saw this. I mean, half a billion people and all those in television worldwide got to see this on this magnificent event take place. But uh, that's the choice for 2017, Mariana, the Barbie Wattis. Now, another thing, too, that she, that she accomplished by winning that Bantamweight title, she became the first female Mexican fighter to capture three world titles in two different divisions. So that also is something to, to – uh, she could put that feather in her cap as well. Yeah, it's a very significant uh, uh, achievement. And then for um, – the, the other category that we're looking at was a uh, fight of the year. Um, that was very hard too. I mean, there were so many good fights. Uh, what are some of the fights that, that you remember of Felipe and Amy <clears throat> that really stood out um, in your mind? Well, the, the one fight that I do remember that was a great fight and it actually opened up the year as far as um, uh, female boxing on, on U.S. soil and on TV was the Amanda Serrano against Jasmine Rivas fight. I mean, you know, the scorecards obviously had uh, Amanda Serrano winning, but Jasmine Rivas gave as good as she got. So I think that was a a great fight there. Uh, uh, One of the good fights uh, of the year right there as well. The Rivas fight was really good and and that was that was, I mean, that was that was that 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 bred a lot of excitement and everything. But, and and I don't want this to be the total hallmark of the year. But um, finally, finally, you know, breaking the glass ceiling, breaking the ice or whatever, and having Clarissa Shields, you know, in a main event on Showtime. I mean, that really, as far as fight quality, you know, her first fight, it wasn't, you know, it's it was. She dominated and everything, but it's just it was just the fact that, you know, finally we had something that we had been waiting for a long time, and to me that was 
that was kind of important. And it started off, it started off just, that was one of the things that started off for so many years, for a lot of excitement for the year. And I think it's, I think it's just going to keep, to keep going. You know, you've got, there, there's a lot of things that are projected now for 2018. Um, and I think it's just, that just started the momentum. You know, I think finally we're going to see increased skill levels, more visibility, and a lot more variety of fighters from the women's side. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate it that, you know, Serrano's have to, one of them has to turn to MMA. I hate that Heather Hardy has to, you know, split up her time between the two. But I think with persistence and good fights and people coming up like Katie Taylor and all your Olympians and everything and Clarissa, I think it's going to do nothing but improve this next year. This time next year, your your awards are going to be even more challenging. Yeah, I agree. I, th- I thought that was a great, great fight uh, that uh, just opened the door. It seemed to be like like uh, the the shotgun that just opened up everything. That fight in particular, and uh, also the Yasmin Rivas uh, Serrano fight. And, and then there was another fight that I thought was kind of ended the year on a, on a high note too was uh, Naoko Fujioka fighting Yokasta Valle. Uh, it was a yes. young girl who's 26, undefeated. She doesn't have to go to Japan to go fight her, and she could have just stayed home or fought somebody easier. But she wanted to fight the best. She wanted to prove she's capable of winning not only at home but in Japan. She goes to Japan. And then they had this incredible brawl for 10, 10, I mean, not just brawl, but, I mean, skillful fight. And it was well contested for 10 rounds. And uh, I was pretty impressed. I thought, man, that's, that was a good way to end the year. That, that was a that's fantastic a, a perfect example. That's a perfect example right there. I mean, you know, there there were probably lots of other challenging or less challenging fights that you could have taken somewhere. But you know, you go to, to to go to Japan. That's you know, almost you know, it's incredibly far. No matter where you are, and you don't, you know, that that's what you that's what you should do. That's why you fight. That's Layla McCarter would jump on a plane in 20 minutes and go to Hungary if there was going to be a good fight. You know, exactly. or or she would go to Timbuktu probably. You know, and there that's just how it should be. You know, I that's just what needs to be more of. I mean, you know, who's going to be an American that's going to be able to go challenge Mariana Juarez and, and you know, be able to garner some of her excitement? Who's going to get in on some of her half a million viewers, you know? Who from here is going to jump up and do that? That's what we need to look for. I agree. That's well, a good point. Very good after, Well, we could talk about that in the next segment because uh, Amanda Serrano actually went out and, and asked for certain fights after she saw an article that we put out on thepridefighters.com. But we'll touch that on, on the next uh, segment coming up. David, uh, what's the next uh, category? Uh, the next category was uh, the, the upset of the year. And uh, I think um, the one that stands out is uh, uh, what happened in Japan again. <laughs> Here's a, a girl who... who Went up uh, two divisions, uh, fought the champion in Japan, and uh, basically 
came home with a title in Alondra mm-hmm. uh, Garcia. And uh, that was a major upset. Yeah. I mean, people were shocked. And she didn't just beat any fighter. She beat Naoko Shibata, who is a veteran, who he knows the way around the ring. And like you mentioned, was the champion at 112, 112 pounds. And Alondra, who was known more to fight at 105 pounds, took the fight in Japan. Um, later, she stated that the reason she took it is because she wasn't getting a title opportunity in um at 105 pounds, so this is the only title opportunity she had gotten because her record is not all that impressive. I mean, she has more wins than losses, but she does have some losses on there. And uh, she took it, and she ended up stopping it, and she, you know, and, and she won the title. So, so uh, yeah, very impressive, and I do agree it's the upset of the year. Yeah, it was one of those things that I remember looking at it twice. I said, did she actually win, or did I read this wrong? <laughs> was pretty amazing and yeah she she came back with that title and uh then the the next category i had was uh most exciting fighter of the year there was a lot of uh people mm-hmm. that could, that could be uh, mentioned in that uh of course katie taylor is one of those uh clarissa shells is one of those um uh, mariana Waters is one of those um but i, I kind of felt that the one that grabbed uh, the attention the most was uh, Amanda Serrano, just because mm. everybody always expects a knockout, and almost every time she she comes through with a knockout, and she does it while training in MMA, too, which is not easy to do. And uh, hopefully we get her uh, back into boxing, at least uh, uh, not let her go uh, full-time to MMA. But I thought that she was the most exciting fighter uh, of the year, uh, what did you get? Do, do you guys have any other choices? Uh, go ahead. She's and... always in a good fight. Yeah, she's, I agree. she's always I agree. in a good fight. I just, I, I just think, you know, somebody needs to get on board to keep her out of the octagon. Somebody needs to get on board that's gonna, you know, see what they've got there. I mean, you know, she's she's a female Puerto Rican champ, and you haven't had a dominant one since uh, Melissa Hernandez and Belinda Larquinte were fighting actively and a lot. Great truth. And someone someone needs to grab her. Someone, you know, I don't know if Bob Aram would have an interest in her or if anybody else on that side of the world would, but, you know, she's, she's a good, tough, exciting fighter, and she'll take a challenge. It just doesn't need to be in the octagon. She needs to be stay, stay in the ring where she's, where she's she does her best work and has her best audience. Yeah, yeah I mean, I think she posted. I think she posted a couple of days ago that that Lou DeBella actually gave her a date for for next year to challenge for the 140 pound title. Did you see that, David or Amy? Yeah, I did. I, I haven't did seen see it. That. In fact, she posted it on my uh, Facebook uh, page. And uh, I reposted it, uh, that she does have a huh. tentative date. Uh, it's after her, her MMA fight, which I think takes place in January. Uh, she said it might be in Southern California, so I might be able to go see her fight, although I'm not going to be reporting on MMA. Wow. Who would they no, have no, her? Said- who, who would be her 
pound boxing challenge. What you be talking about? Um, yeah. Hmm? Yeah, from Argentina. That's it, I believe. Yeah, but um, but uh, but she said that she that she would be that that the date would be after her pro debut of of MMA. So, exactly. so we'll see. We'll see if that turns out to be that she, she we might see her again in the boxing ring after the octagon. So let's see what happens. And then uh, my next category I had is uh, kind of a toss-up. Um, is I had the category is most courageous fighter of the year. Um, I had two. I couldn't really decide. Uh, maybe you guys could help with this. Uh, the two I came down with is Jessica McCaskill for chasing after Katie Taylor. Was willing mm-hmm. to go to, to London to fight her in her home territory. And wasn't there to just get a payday. She was there to win. And then the mm-hmm. other is Yokasa Baya, who went to Japan to fight Nyoko, the great Nyoko Ujioka. So those are the two I really couldn't decide deserve that award. You don't want to give Nikki Adler anything for just showing up? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Nikki Adler. She did. <laughs> she, well, I mean, she did show you know, up. <laughs> That was me, yeah, but I mean, it just popped into my mind. I mean, these these other two girls, I mean, they were underdogs. Anybody that's going to yeah. be put in against Katie Taylor, with the exception maybe, here I go again, of Michaela, Michaela Mayer is going to be an underdog. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, Michaela's. You know, any anybody that that goes completely out of their their time zone, their zip code, their area code to an almost another world away to take on a challenger, you know, you got to think about what's involved in that. I mean, you know, half the time half your team can't come with you. There's no no not there's probably not a huge budget, so you're going to be ending up over there maybe almost alone, and then taking a challenge against someone that you you know you're doing the David and Goliath thing. So. Either of those are 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 definitely the 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 bravest fighter of the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, 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 agree. I agree that it's very hard to decide between those two fighters. I mean, both of them were taking on you know very very tough and very experienced fighter. Even though Katie Taylor only has she has less than ten fights, but you know she's a two time gold medalist. Um, so they were taking on two um, very tough fights, so I, I, I couldn't help you. I mean, I couldn't decide. I'm trying to think of, of which one had a tougher task in front of her, and I couldn't decide which one does, you know. Although, Yocasta Valle has much more, well, not much more, but more experience as a pro than McCaskill, but I don't think that would diminish, you know, or make make it more so than McCaskill having only six fights when she went to fight Kay Taylor because Kay Taylor only had seven fights. Uh, would make it any different. So that's, I think that might be a draw uh, for both of them. Yeah, yeah it's very tough to decide. Uh, I, I guess both of them deserve it. And then yeah. uh, my final category is uh, the knockout of the year. Uh, I went over dozens and dozens of knockouts, and uh, the one that it came down to was uh, it took place recently in Australia where Helen Joseph knocked out uh, uh, Shannon O'Connell. 
and there was a second round knockout, a left hook, just one. They were exchanging, and the left hook caught her, and down she went. And if you know Shannon O'Connell, you know that she's a tough girl. She went the distance with Marcela Acuna just before that. She went 10 rounds with Mm -hmm. her in, uh, in Argentina, and then she fought against Helen Joseph, and Helen Joseph caught her with a perfect punch. And, I'm uh, going to say since I on. met since I met Helen this year, she's not playing. Mm-hmm. She isn't yeah, playing, no, and she is she's ready to pick up where she left off in Atlanta with stopping this tough little girl, and she's she's tremendous. You know, um, she's. She's had a fight of the year with Jennifer Hahn before and everything, and I think, I think Helen's, I think Helen's going to be rededicated and, and out for whatever. She's like, I don't care who you are. I'm not taking, you know. She's like, you know, I'm taking the titles above me and below me. She said, you know, this is, this is just, this is out. This is me, and I'm taking them, you know. And she's, she's, um, when you have you ever met her, David? No, I never have. Well, we picked her up at the airport, and she was real quiet and almost seemed very shy and maybe not confident of the English language because it's still a little bit new to her since she's just been in Connecticut about a year, I think. But at the weigh-in, oh, no, 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 no. Where did the shy go? She was in this little girl's face, and she, she, I mean, you know, she dominated her thoroughly. There was no two ways about it, you know, but she's, I would look for her to to stay aggressive in this next year. She might be one to kind of keep an eye on. She's definitely a puncher, that's for sure. Lord, and she is very dedicated, very in shape, and she's in, in very sure of herself. Don't let that shy demeanor fool you. She's all about it when it's time to it's time when it's time to go. She's ready. So she might be the one now, to look out for. Yeah. Now, David, are you going to put out a written form of your list? Uh, excuse me? You're going to be putting out I... the, the written form of your list? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, put it, I'll put it out uh, on the uh, price fighters. Is, is that what you mean? Or do you want it to put it on the yeah, yeah. on the team? Yeah, and I'm okay. wondering if you're going to put it out in, in an article uh, yeah. so that way people that could read it as well. Now, we look at the past 2017, and just recently, about a week ago, I wrote an article for the com where I gave my wish list for the best fight that I would like to see in each division, um, so that way we can keep the momentum going um, that we saw in 2017. Now, one of the conditions that I had One of the conditions that I had for um, for for the for the fight, are you there? Yeah, uh-huh. I'm here. Okay, sorry. Uh, one of the well, one of the conditions that I had for the fight was that um, that kind of focus on 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 the United States and what fights we could have in the United States in each division, so that way that we could develop uh, female boxing a little bit more in the United States. Um, so that was kind of like one of the conditions. And now not all the, now not all the fights ended up being for the United States because just depending on the division, there wasn't, um, there wasn't fights that we could make that would be bigger than the fight that we actually ended up choosing. So uh, the first fight, or actually going from heaviest to lightest, um, 
And just, I just picked out five of of the fights so that we wouldn't have to go through 17 or 18 divisions. Um, but the first fight would be the fight that we're probably going to be seeing uh, later on this year, hopefully, or maybe even early next year, if everything works out the way it should, which would be Clarissa Shields challenging the WBO and WBC uh, middleweight champion, Christina Hammer. Now, we just saw this last week that it was announced that Christina Hammer signed with Salida Promotions, which mm-hmm. is uh, also the, 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 the promoter for Clarissa Shields. So they're putting all their ducks in a row to be able to make that fight. And Christina Hammer will be making her U.S. debut on January 12th on the undercard of Clarissa Shields defending her super middleweight title against Tori Nelson on Showtime. Now, the Christina Hammer fight is not going to be televised, but we would expect that if she ends up having one other fight before they make the Clarissa Shields fight, it will be televised uh, for Showtime so that way they can, you know, build it up. David, what do you think about that fight and the chances of it having it in 2018? I think it's a slam dunk. I think they're going to do it. I think uh, all the the pieces are in motion. Uh, I think your dream is going to come true, and it probably might be the fight of the year for 2018. Yeah. Amy, what do you think about that fight and also about Hammer signing with the leader promotions and maybe getting developed in the United States? I think, well, I, I, I saw some commentary after we both saw where the where, where we all three saw where the signing was made, and I saw some people say that it's, you know, they were being a little a little derogatory toward it. And I think on Facebook I said, I I kind of tagged David in, and I said, David, your thoughts. So maybe you know he could introduce some explanation into it, but. Um, I think that Shields and Hammer are definitely a possibility, and I hope it's sooner rather than later. I, because that's that's going to be exciting as long as it lasts. Um, I, I'm curious to see who Christina Hammer is going to fight in January over here. I mean, I know that there was this one name specifically that we've heard recently, which would not be a great showing for her. And that would be with Lisa right. Garland. I don't know if that's right. still that the one been, or not. I don't think that's happening because none of them have mentioned it since then, and and it mm-hmm. has not been confirmed. So I don't think that fight is happening. But other than that, then let's see who they end up getting because I don't think that anybody is jumping at their chance to face Christina Hammer in the United States. Uh, and, and, and it all depends on how much they're offering, and you know, and if they're making it worthwhile for for an opponent. I I think that you know first of all we're gonna have to we need we need to we need to see how she's well you know you said it wasn't gonna be televised um, I'll be interested to see who they finally get in front of her um, I'll be interested to see how long the event goes between Clarissa and um, Tori was her name Tori Tori Nelson Tori Nelson yes. So, okay, yeah. I was going to say Tori Amos, but that's the wrong person completely <laughs> between she and Tori. I was like, that wouldn't last long, but between she and Tori Nelson. But I, I think that, um, I think Shields and Hammer, I could, I could see it happening within six months, maybe. Huh. 
Now, the Christina Hammer fight is not going to be televised during the Showtime broadcast, but it may well be televised on an, on their app, on Showtime Stream, or even on Showtime. On Showtime is very they're using they're they're they are killing HBO with the way they they're using other media to give us fights. I mean, ESPN is still on HBO right now. Stream. <laughs> yeah, yeah, ESPN is doing it as well. They're showing fights on their apps. Even I think I really like what Showtime is doing as well, where they're showing fights on their YouTube channel. You know, YouTube, they're not yeah. even showing it on the app. They're showing it on their YouTube channel. And who doesn't have YouTube? And who can log into YouTube and just clicking Showtime boxing and going on there? I mean, that's the way I saw the Katie Taylor fight. And I'm trying to remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I watched the. Uh, there was a male fight. It was. Um, oh man, it was these English. Who was it? It was like. Um, Another, it was on a Saturday, and it was also, uh, oh, it was uh, Showtime. It was that fight with uh, the upset. Wasn't it the, oh, no, that was on Showtime. The James DeGale, um, James DeGale, uh, Callum Truex fight, I think that was also on their yeah. Showtime uh, YouTube uh, application. So so they're not even going through the Showtime Extreme channel or anything like that. They're actually showing it on the YouTube channel. And... Also, if you have the Showtime app, they show their fights live on the Showtime app. So if you're not at home, you have Showtime at home, and you log into the Showtime app, and you have to put in your credentials for your cable provider, you could actually watch live fights on the app on your iPad or on your iPhone, which is something that HBO is not doing either. So I think Showtime is doing very, very uh, a great job with that, and I think that if anything – is that Christina Hammer fight is not going to be televised, obviously, by the actual Showtime Network on their on their TV channel. It may very well be televised on their Showtime. So hopefully that happens so we can see that fight and see how she looks in the U.S. debut. I think, yeah, I think Showtime is killing it. And, you know, HBO is struggling. Yeah. Now, the other fight that I chose out of these five it's not going to be in the United States more than likely, but it is going to be a mega fight that happens, and it's just going to happen. Both women have said that they want this fight, and, you know, it's just the only thing that needs to happen is time because one of them is a Mexican congresswoman, so she needs to, just like Manny Pacquiao needs to wait till April to be able to face whoever he's going to face because of his work as a politician in the Philippines. She has to do the same thing. She has to find that hole on their schedule where she can train and get ready for this fight. And that would be the fight between the Congresswoman Jackie Nava and the WBC Bantamweight Champion Malena Juarez, who is our 2017 fight of the year. And now Jackie Nava has to going to go down all the way down to 118. And we're talking about a 35, 36-year-old woman um, who has fought her whole career, well, no, 90% of her career at Super Bowl, who has up to 118 pounds to challenge for that WBC bantamweight title. So if Mariana Juarez and Chuck Dava and Jack Nava and Ana Maria Torres, I mean, Mariana Juarez at this point is the biggest Mexican female fighter in boxing, if not in history, because she has reached higher levels than Jackie Nava and Ana Maria Torres did. Um, 
So with that, with Mariana Juarez and Jackie Nava facing each other in 2018, it's going to be a mega fight. Yeah, that I is. Think I think absolutely mean, it almost it happened. It almost happened, but Mayweather and Conor McGregor uh, jettisoned it last August, uh, which was sad. But hey, maybe they'll still do it. Yeah. Jackie Nava. I, 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 I think I think that's a good one. That's a great. And then, let alone the event that it's going to be, whether it's going to be in Mexico City or it's going to be in Tijuana, which I doubt. Or, or any other city in Mexico. I just doubt that it would be in Tijuana because there isn't an indoor venue for that. I mean, they go out there, but they can have it. There's a couple of, of stadiums here that are good enough to have that. But if you want to go to a world-class modern arena, it's got to be in Mexico City. There's an arena there that is, that is you know, on par with the Staples Center in, in L.A. So uh, if they're going to have it, they should have it there. Um now or they could have it at the Sokolo. <laughs> or at the Sokolo. Well, why not, why don't I have it on the, on the Canelo rematch, the Canelo-Golovkin rematch, which is rumored for May? Yeah, but I think that's politics as far as the promoters. As far <laughs> yeah, because neither of, the, neither of them are anywhere. Uh, they're not uh, working with K2 or with Golden Boy. Promociones de Pueblo, who not. is Mariana's, there's Mariana's promoter. Um, they do work with Golden Boy, but I think that fight belongs in Mexico. I think it's a moneymaker in Mexico and for Mexican TV. So more than likely it's going to happen in, in Mexico. Um, now the other fight that may or may not happen, I mean, I think it's a long shot for 2018. I think it's going to happen sometime in the future. I just think it might be a long shot for 2018. But, you know, once the world champion, the other one has stated that in 2018, at the end of it, or the near the end of it, she wants a world title. Uh, the fight will be between the WBA lightweight champion, Katie Taylor, and Michaela Mayer. You know, both of them are previous Olympians. Um, you know, they never faced each other in the Olympics or in the amateurs. But now as pros, they both stated. Well, actually, I've never seen Katie Taylor mention Michaela Mayer. Um, I know Mitchell Mayer has mentioned Katie Taylor as somebody that she would like to face, but I think that fight will be a huge fight in 2018, especially in yep. England. I don't think that Mitchell has an issue going over there or Ireland, but I don't know if you mentioned, I mean, not, I'm sorry, Taylor mentioned Mayer. Have you, David? No, never. Never. Yeah. So, but I know um, that Mayer has her on her targets. Yeah. What? But I think that's more of a long shot. I think that's more of a long shot than the previous two fights that I mentioned. I mean, I, we all know that Christina Hammer, uh, Clarissa Shields, Christina Hammer, they're headed against each other one way or the other in 2018. And Jackie Nava and, and Mariana Juarez have mentioned that they want to face each other in 2018, and they have to because of their age and because of what's going on in their lives. But I think that there's a little bit more time for Taylor and Mayer to face each other, although Taylor is 35 years old, but she only has eight or nine fights. So there might be time for them to face each other in 2019. Obviously, we'd like to see it the sooner the better in 2018. Very true. Now, I'm still waiting to fight, see what might happen between Layla McCarter and Cecilia. Very, yeah, yeah very that's true. another fight. And that's another fight on my list, which would be obviously um, 
Cecilia Breakhouse against Lila MacArthur. That's the fight that we want to see in 2018. I mean, I think it's time for Lila MacArthur to get that opportunity. Now things are lining up for her. She is the IPF number one mandatory challenger at 147 pounds, which is the title that Cecilia Breakhouse holds. So, um, you know, David, you're on the pulse of that team and that fight. You know, what are the yeah. odds? What, how do you see it of that fight actually happening in 2018? I, I think the odds are very, very good. I just spoke to, to Tom Loeffler this week. Uh, he told me that they're just looking for a date now, a television date. So mm-hmm. apparently they've come to an agreement with terms, uh, money, and maybe even a venue. Uh, I know that Cecilia, when I saw her two weeks ago, she told me she wants to fight in Vegas. That's her dream, to fight in a big uh, venue uh, like a like a MGM or the Mandalay, and she wants it big. And uh, But Tom was saying that now they're just looking for the TV date because, you know, the Showtime is kind of locked in with Al Heyman. Al Heyman has all these fighters that he's trying to but his fighters in there, and so they gotta, you know, bob and weave and try and find a, a spot to put the women in. <clears throat> so that's a problem right now. So the and you're gonna potentially, I mean, you're gonna have <laughs> two women. These two women are better than some of Heyman's men fighters. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> you're talking about the best of the so best. So the fight will be. Females. I mean, obviously, obviously, it wouldn't be on HBO. Um, but, right. So it would be on Showtime, which is a network that Tom Lockett doesn't really work with. I mean, he's worked nearly exclusively with um, with HBO. So he is having a conversation with Steven Espinosa and taking that fight right. to Showtime? Right. Huh. He has no problem working with Showtime he, uh, and no problem working with Al Heyman. Um, it, it, he's wide open, and uh, that's what he told me, that they're just looking for a date. That's it. So Al Heyman, Al Heyman will be somewhat involved with it because Layla MacArthur is with Mayweather Promotion. Uh, yeah, I guess indirectly, indirectly. But mm. I know he he has no legal ties with Mayweather, but uh, as an advisor. Now the last fight that I chose, now the last fight that I chose out of the five for the fight that I was in 2018, also. Like the Taylor Mikael Daniel fight might be a little bit of a long shot, but you know if things lined up, we'd be able to see it. And it'll be a flyweight between the WBC flyweight champion Jessica Chavez and former champion Ava Knight. Now Ava Knight has been out of the picture for quite a while. She's kind of re- announced a retirement. Now it looks like she's coming back. I follow her on social media, and she's definitely in the gym working out. And Tika Chavez, you know. She's pretty much done it all at flyweight. One thing that she did mention after her win against Esmeralda Moreno in the final of the WBC uh, flyweight tournament is that she wants to fight in the United States. She wants, hopefully in 2018, to get the opportunity to fight in the United States. And, you know, when you talk about the United States, yeah, when you talk about the United States and you talk about fighting in the United States, there's one city in particular that everybody wants to do it at, and that's Las Vegas. I mean, Sven Morbina, yep. unfortunately, she didn't, get, she didn't get her chance to fight in Las Vegas. You just mentioned, David, that it's Cecilia Brickhouse dream to fight in Las Vegas. So Jessica Chavez, 
you know, wanted to fight in the U.S., I'm sure that her first choice would be Las Vegas. And Eva Knight trains out of Las Vegas. She trains at the Mayweather Boxing Club in Las Vegas. So what other fighter to better to face Jessica Chavez in the United States but Eva Knight in Las Vegas, a former WBC champion, a very dangerous fighter coming back. I would love, love, love to see this fight. I would drive to Las Vegas to see this fight. Who yeah. promotes Who Ava Knight? Uh, nobody. Uh, what was the question? Who promotes Who Ava promotes, Knight? Yeah. Ava? Ava, she doesn't have a promoter. I mean, she signed to, she was signed a, a while back to HG Boxing um, with them when she ended up beating, she was with Promociones del Pueblo as well, who is the promoter of Jessica Chavez. But she has been released from those contracts, and uh, she's a she's a free agent. So she was uh, with who? You know, somebody could say again. Who was it? She was signed with. She was signed with uh, with two Mexican uh, boxing, which they don't exist anymore. But at one time, yeah, they were the premier female boxing promoter in Mexico. I mean, they had um, they had Kika Chavez. They had um, Irma Sanchez. At one time, they had Kalisha West. Uh, they had they had everybody. Um, the only one that they didn't have was Mariana Juarez, who was with a promoter that doesn't exist anymore, which was Boxeo de Gala. And then after those promoters left, Promociones del Pueblo, who has an exclusive contract with Televisa, which is one of the major networks in Mexico, went up and swooped okay. up everybody. So they swooped up. Yvette La Roca Zamora, they swooped up Jessica Kika Chavez, they have Mariana Juarez, they have the sister, uh, they have uh, everybody. Um, so so that's who Kika Chavez is. And at one point, they had Ava Knight as well, um, since she kind of, she's been released from that contract, and then since she's kind of re- retired for a little while, she doesn't have a promoter. So that fight could very well be made, and I think it would be a great uh, fight for female boxing, especially if it happens in the United States. That would be great if it did, and I would like to see. I like to see Ava dominate again. Yeah, she's going to take a couple of fights. What was that? She's going to need a couple of fights since she's been up for a while. Yeah, she would. But but the thing is, is that without having a promoter, who's going to give her those couple of fights? So if this fight gets offered, exactly. and knowing how Ava is. And knowing how Ava is, that she's willing to jump on any challenge, she'll take it. And just to let you know, she posted she posted the paragraph on her social media regarding this fight and regarding the article that was on PriceFighters.com. She posted it, so she was she's very aware of it. And you know, maybe she asked for it. Maybe she makes a maybe she she thinks it's a good idea as well, and, and she and she goes out and, and looks for that fight. She has a talent. I agree. No doubt about that. Well, folks, we are here on the last stretch of our last show of 2017. This is a two-minute round. Your hooks and jazz look at the female boxing world. And before we go, we are going to give you the little bit of female boxing that is scheduled for the next couple of weeks. We will be having our next show and the first of 2018 on January 4th. So that's our next show of uh, the hook of the tuning around your hooks and jabs. Look at the female fight. That'll be show number 39. Um, and that will be on January 4th, which is a Thursday, 7 p.m. Pacific time. And 
going into our upcoming calendar, December 23rd from Jujuy, Argentina. Brenda Karen Carvajal will take on Rose Volante of Brazil in a 10-rounder for the vacant WBO 125-pound title. So this Saturday night, we do have a world title match in Argentina um, for the WBO vacant 135-pound title. Brenda Karen Carvajal against Brazil's Rose Volante. That is in Argentina this Saturday. And on also on Saturday in Mexico City, Leila MacArthur in a state yeah. fight against Erica Hernandez in an eight-rounder at 140 pounds. So she is staying busy and getting ready to hopefully face Cecilia Breakhouse in 2018. Now, on December 29th from Argentina, a very, very interesting fight is happening between two Argentinians, Erica Anabella Farias, will be facing Ana Laura Estrechez in a 10-rounder. Now, the interesting part of this fight is that both of them are world champions at 140 pounds, but for whatever reason, they're not gonna be, none of their titles are on, at stake in this fight. So, that's... Grudge match. What's that? It's a grudge match. What's that, Vince? Yeah, it's a grudge match, and, and I find it very interesting. Yeah, it's a grudge match, and it's interesting because I mean, I'm sure the promoter said, you know what, you guys want to fight, I'll pay you guys, but I'm not paying all these sanctions because, I mean, between three sanctioning bodies, that would have been like $15,000 in sanctioning fees alone without mentioning, um, yeah, without (laughs) mentioning, um, uh, you know, supervisors and and referee and and judges that you have to have there that are going to be all three sanctioning bodies. So, um, so I'm sure the promoter said, hey, you guys want to fight? Let's do it. But I'm not paying any sanctioning fee because that's too much. Maybe they would have gotten No, that, that, that would have been fight. very expensive. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're probably not even getting $15,000 each, but, but, you know, who knows? And lastly, on December 30th, very interesting fight card as well from Kazakhstan, which is not a country that we see a lot of fight events happening, especially women. Obviously, one of the biggest fighters, in boxing right now is uh, from Kazakhstan, Mr. Gennady Triple G Golovkin, and also another fighter, Christina Hammer, is from Kazakhstan. But you don't really see a lot of boxing there. Both of them have to leave the country to, you know, become who they are now. And interestingly enough, they both went to Germany and made their career to Germany. Uh, both Gennady Golovkin and uh, Christina Hammer, but they are going to have a fight card in Kazakhstan, which is going to feature Firuza Sharipova against Jamila Gontaruk for the vacant WBC silver 130-pound title. Now, David, isn't that the title that Melissa Melissa Seville held? Exactly. So, so I think that because of a lack of of uh, Defending the title, and I'm going to check right now, I think that she has been stripped. So let me just confirm that, and maybe we could get her on the phone maybe on our next show and find yeah. out if that is true, because maybe she doesn't even know. But, um, yeah, WBC Silver Female Superweight title, she last defended it with a technical draw in March of of uh, 2017 against Jessica Gonzalez in, in Haiti, her hometown, her home country in Haiti, but she hasn't defended it since then, so it looks like she has been stripped, 
And now Filuza um, Sharipova and Jamila Gontarok is going to be going after the vacant WBC silver 130-pound champion. And also for the interim WBC 154-pound title in a 10-rounder, Ina Sagazakowskaya, Jesus, Ina Sagazakowskaya will be facing Mapule Kubani for the WBC 154-pound title, the interim 10-rounder, December 30th in Kazakhstan. So that is all that we have for female boxing in the next couple of weeks. Our next show is scheduled for January 4th, two-minute round. Mm-hmm. Hooks and Jazz look at the female boxing world. We want to thank you for listening, for being part of this show for the last year, for 2017. And, um, you know, hopefully we have you here as well for 2018. David, any final words for our audience in 2017? Glad that we're here uh, and looking forward to more. Yeah, next uh, next year is going to be even better than this year. That's for sure. Yeah, and hopefully we get some of these fights to happen. I will not die, doubt it. So with that said, we bid you a very uh, happy holiday season. Um, and hopefully a great New Year 2018. Hopefully there's all the fights that we want. And with that said, we bid you farewell here for two minutes around hooking job look at the female boxing world. Good night. Good night. Good night. Happy holidays. Same to you, Amy. Same to you. Thank you.